This is a Hope 103.2 podcast. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Well, it is great to have you back for the watch list. I'm Laura from Hope 1032. Russ is here too. Hello. Hey, this is Russ from Real Dialogue. I am so excited. I've got my Chris knife ready to go. I've got <laughs> the still suit on. I am ready to ride the sandworms of Arrakis. We are going to Dune Part 2. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Laura? It's a huge story. So you've got Timothy Chalamet. He plays Pauls and Dara is in this as well. Austin Butler makes an appearance as the baddie, but it is the story of Paul Atreides, who is who uh, Timothy Chalamet plays, of course, and he's leading a Freeman rebellion against House Harkonnen on Arrakis. There's a bit of warfare, political intrigue, etc., but really key to this story is whether or not uh, Paul is this prophesied messiah that Mm, uh, so many have been speaking about and he's kind of got to grapple with the reality of what it would mean to be this uh this prophesied messiah but there's also some power struggles that come from people's belief in him or in fact their lack of belief in him as being this quote-unquote chosen one so it's a pretty deep kind of storyline yeah you know what but what i loved about it is that it jumped right off from dune part one even though it's been Three years since we've seen the original, um, it really just starts right in where we we where we left them. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel that if you if you were able to kind of join the journey, it just kind of gets us right back into the storyline with these characters that are familiar. Even though there's some really great new ones that we're introduced to, but I feel like we've really kind of just moved right into it. And I just found this one incredible. The first one was really good. It was a good setup, but this one was just amazing as far as character development, more action, more Zendaya, which I don't know. I think everybody was complaining about the first one a little bit, that they didn't get enough Zendaya. And well, this one, you definitely get Zendaya, but also more action, some great villains. I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are. But first... Do you need to watch the first one, do you think, um, before you watch this one? Well, you absolutely do. And I will admit that it took me a while before I saw the first one, because if you can remember, it had a whole bunch of like release rescheduling around COVID and everything like that. And there was so much sure. else happening at the time when it originally came to cinemas. I decided to go and watch the first one in cinemas because they did a re-release of it before seeing this one. And I'm so glad that I did because, of course, right. I wanted to watch it at some point anyway. But being able to see it so closely to going and seeing the second one made such a difference because if you're not familiar with the Dune stories, if you haven't read the original books that these are based on, you have no idea of the context and the legend and the prophecies and the people and all of these different things that you need to understand for the setup of this movie. Even simple right. kind of rules of the desert where these, these movies are set, you need to know that to be able to fully appreciate Dune 2 and exactly where this storyline is sitting. So if you go and see it with no context without having watched the first one, I think you will still enjoy it to a degree, but there's a lot of kind of backstory and cultural understandings about these characters that you're not going to grapple if you haven't got that uh, set up from the first one. So I highly recommend either re-watching the first one if you haven't and at least catching it in some way before you go and see the second one. Oh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, it's interesting because the director, Dennis Valneuve, um, said that you don't need to really see the first one to be able to appreciate the second one. No, but I'm going to actually, <laughs> I'm going to go up against the master here. I love him. I mean, I think he's a great director, you know, uh, you know, Blade Runner, 2049, Sicario, Arrival. 
Um, but I think he's got it wrong. I think you really need to see the first one to be able to appreciate the second one fully. Mm. Uh, it just makes it a richer experience because w- once I was able to do that, boy, you just kind of you're just pulled into this world, into the sand dunes, and you just you almost feel like you can feel it to a certain degree because it's so well told. But I think it's better if you've actually watched the first component. So, so hey, tell me what you loved about it, about Dune Part 2. What stood out to you, Laura? I will say that I'm not normally a huge sci-fi genre person. So I have my I have my select few that I'll watch and I can enjoy them. But one thing I have always struggled with, with this genre, I don't know what it says about me, but I, I find it difficult sometimes to fully understand the stories and the characters and the worlds that are so often part of sci-fi movies. Like whether that's just because, I mean, who knows? whether it's just because I don't necessarily I need a little bit more reality in the stories as opposed to kind of the CGI worlds that they tend to exist in I'm not sure but I I often find myself trying to really piece together who are these people and why does that matter and who are you and and why what is so significant about your role in this story and everything like that but honestly genuinely for like the first time in a long time I will say with June and like June 2 especially I really felt it I really got it I knew who these characters were I understood the significance of the the sort of the the legend, if you like, of these worlds and these planets and these people, and I just thought that was done so well with these stories because I really enjoy the bigness of what sci-fi movies have to offer and how much imagination often goes into these movies. Right. But one thing that I always feel a little bit sad about is that I'm just not quite resonating with what the heart of the mm. story is at times. Right. Whereas Dune Two, for me, nailed it, and I thought that's such a good thing because for people who come to this genre with different levels of interest or, you know, different kind of personalities, whatever the audience is that are watching June 2, I feel like it's far more accessible to a broader audience than some of the more traditional sci-fi movies may have been in the past. Oh, I I definitely can see how this one resonates on that level because I I feel like most of the characters are kind of human. I mean, human in their, you know, their distinction. I mean, at least humanoid. So yeah, I think it definitely can kind of connect. But on top of it, it's really just a kind of a love story with a prophetic kind of spiritual element that kind of resonates, I think, in so many other storylines that this one is also done beautifully. But on top of it, I think that they, one of the things that they have, they've got this kind of the character development of Paul um, in this whole film kind of just kind of moves us along on that journey. And you can definitely see it after seeing him in the first one, because I thought Timothy Chalamet looked like a little boy in the first one. Well, this one, he definitely kind of comes off as a man and one that can actually take on the mantle of Messiah, if that's really what his role and title should be. Uh, so I thought he was great. And then on top of it, I think Zendaya, I think this is probably one of her better films. I just really felt like she stood out, did a great job of being a really strong female lead along with that. But, <laughs> I, you know, Elvis is in the building. I don't know. Austin <laughs> Butler, man, he was great. I, I was really surprised. He shaved head, shaved eyebrows, nothing. I mean, yeah, all white. And he was a great villain. I really thought that he stood out as a, a way of kind of transitioning and showing. Because, I mean, you got to love Dave Batista. I mean, he is in a formidable man. He's mm. just massive. But then, but this one was just a crazy character. So for who he was able to play and be able to do and represent this house of Arkanen, um, I thought was really good. On top of it, Rebecca Ferguson, even though I know she's supposed to be kind of a good guy or on the good side, mm. but boy, I wouldn't want to come up against her. She yeah. was like, 
That was incredible. This is something that they did do really well in this movie was the way they were able to morph the characters from the first one. Because yeah. we haven't said this, but this movie is almost three hours long. It's like two hours, 46 minutes runtime. So if it you're going to, and the first one's similar to that, if you're going to hold people's attention for that length of time across two movies as well, like th- there's got to be character development. There's got to be these traits that come yeah. out where you go, I thought you were a good guy. Why are you now seeming mm. so villainous? And what's your motivation and so that's something that this movie did super well was to bring new developments into the characters in a way that kept you engaged and as you've said austin butler he's really good as a baddie i almost like him more (laughs) as a baddie than as elvis and they were in in, actually in the cinema in the rows around me people were like kind of whispering before the movie started like do you think he's still gonna sound like elvis has he been able to ditch the (laughs) accent you know because apparently he had like if you'd watched any of the interviews post elvis you saw him with the Elvis accent still there. And then he said that he had to do a speech therapy to rid himself of that accent because it stuck with him so much. And so I do feel like with with June 2, you're listening a bit and he doesn't really say a lot of words in his role, but when he does, you're like, yeah, there's not quite as much of like the Memphis twang as there is in Elvis. So he did a really good job in that respect too. Oh, I definitely, I, I agree with you. I think that the character development, each person had a role to play. I mean, the only thing, if I had if I had any knocks, I really have very few knocks on this film because even at two hours and 47 minutes, I sit down at the end and go, oh no, I want more. Yeah. I mean, this left me wanting to sit in the cinema and get more content. I mean, it was so good and I'm looking forward to the next one. But if I had any knock, there's maybe on some of the casting, I'm Christopher Walken. I'm like, is the emperor? I, I was like, when I was, was that supposed to be like a Joe Biden? kind of knock or something i don't know just so old and frail i don't know um so and then maybe i love florence Pugh as a a, as an actress i think she's great but her character i'm hoping can they kind of develop in the third film because they really she seemed to be kind of a throwaway character but besides that those are the only things i mean the action the the story development every element of it uh, also kind of made me appreciate this novel was written back in 1965 and they back, you can see even some of the other great um, sci-fi films of the past few decades have taken from it and kind of taken from it at different points. Mm. But yet, despite that, even though you can see whispers of maybe some Star Wars and maybe some other and even Star Trek a little bit, really, this stands on its own. I really find that this is one of the best films, not only of the years. Well, I mean, this year, there's not much else to put it up against. But even since Oppenheimer, I don't know if I've really seen a film that has mm. been that captivating but i don't know about you laura you tell me what you think but i find this so much more accessible than say like an oppenheimer in that besides the violence there is quite a bit of violence and there is a bit of spirituality that's kind of dealt in this i'd love to talk about that a little bit um this is pretty accessible because there's really no nudity there's no really objectionable material that would kind of keep this from being really for most audiences, at least mature audiences. And the violence is relatively um, sort of sanitized in a way. Like, yes, there's violence, but it's definitely not the kind of graphic violence that you would see in some other movies. So absolutely agree. The accessibility for most audiences is really there. And it's really thrilling in cinemas. You know, if you get the, if you, if you're going to watch this movie, you want to see it in the movies. And I, (laughs) for the first one that I was talking about earlier, the re-screenings that they had, they were in the 4DX cinemas where the seat moves and like bounces and you get like water mist when there's water mist on screen. So it was like a really, you know, full on kind of experience. 
I would recommend seeing this movie if you've got the capacity to like indulge a little bit at the movies this right. time around. See June two in forty X if they're doing that. Like do it in your oh, VMAX. Wow. Go okay. go to IMAX. Like make it make it as immersive as you can because there is some incredible scenes on screen. Like I I will shout out the writing of the sandworms as like one of the things that you're like so cool. Whoa. Like you're you're literally you feel it in it. your seat as as they're like oh, yeah. you know cruising through the sand dunes and that the sound and the kind of vibrations of the the sa- the sand hitting you in the face and this sort of stuff like it you feel it like this movie is an immersive experience and I am so excited to see something like this actually in cinemas which as, it seems so rare like you're right there's not there's not a lot of movies like this that come along that people can enjoy in this way in right. cinemas in every kind of way. Hey, Laura Bennett here, and I host Undistracted, a podcast where we chat with guests from all walks of life, filmmakers, psychologists, authors, artists, talking about how to live our lives around our passions, our purpose, and deal with some of the things that get in the way of it. I'd love for you to join us. Catch Undistracted with Laura Bennett on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on the Hope 103.2 app, and let's live an undistracted life together. But one of the elements, because especially, you know, here at the watch list, we've kind of put um, film through the lens of faith. There's this strong Messiah element. I mean, that is just difficult. You can't miss it. There's all of these aspects of it. I found it quite compelling. I found it it definitely there's biblical references, even though there's not not directly to Jesus, because I mean, because Paul Atreides kind of plays a, a reluctant Messiah, if anything, until he kind of becomes the reality of it all. But what did you think about that, that kind of spiritual element? Because not only him, but also his mother, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, um, kind of their role. I'd love to know what your thoughts were in relationship to kind of that aspect and the Messiah element that will definitely go into the third film. That's something that I really liked about June 2 compared to the first one, because in the first one, they're, they're setting up this story. You're learning about right. the prophecy. You're learning about exactly who Paul may or may not be within this story. And again, that's probably why you want to see the first one as well. You need to see sure. it before you go and see this one. But in well, this yeah. second movie, they're really digging in a whole lot more to that spiritual side, to this prophetic side of what this story might look like. And people are going to have mixed feelings about watching a story that has that kind of thread through it. But I honestly, yes, there's kind of a bit of like Christian overlap in some respects, because of course, the Christian story centers around the idea of a prophesied Messiah. So you can't separate, you know, filtering this story through that lens in some respects. But there's some really interesting ideas that this brings up where you've got some people and it's true even of Jesus and any kind of, you know, like uh, sort of prophesied idea, there's some people that will, first of all, they'll believe in prophecy and believe that something can be declared like that. And then like second of all, that this particular person is the fulfillment of that. So you've got people in this story who believe in the prophecy, believe that it's something to rely upon, and then also believe that, yes, Paul is the fulfillment of this prophecy. But then you've also got groups of people who don't think that the the prophecy is even a real thing in the first place. Let's reject it. 
And then also go, I don't think it's Paul. Who is this guy? And there's this ability that the movie seems to have in the way that it's written where that's like a really nuanced thing. And and like some characters, it's like their belief in the prophecy is about their own need to believe in a prophecy, to believe that there's someone coming to save them. And then on the flip side, for the people that aren't believing it, it also comes back to their own like disagreements with the idea of whether it's a good thing to have a messiah or not. And even Zendaya's character says like it does not offer for hope to to say that there's a messiah right. coming she finds it something that's actually really burdensome and is in fact a way to control people to say that hey there's mm. a, you know a, a prophet coming but i just really liked the way that faith and kind of um that prophetic aspect this idea of messiah was brought up in this movie oh i i, that, I agree with you completely and that is probably what I, what i really love about it is it does it wasn't like a direct point for point with Jesus. I mean, it definitely shows the Messiah and the value of it. But also, I love how the fact that great stories still have something that really has a a whisper of what we can understand and know from the Bible, which I love that aspect. And and that's what gets people talking. And I hopefully people will be able to take that away from it. But I do love the balance of those that really do believe and those who really are still challenged with it. But yet how there's kind of a pushback going, well, but if he's not, then what's going on? And then finally, also, because I don't want to spoil um, the film, even though we've kind of had a few spoilers in, is that um, that there's great sacrifice that comes for many people within this whole storyline that they have to sacrifice for Paul to go on if he is going to go on and become this leader that they're hoping that he's going to be. That there's some great sacrifices that need to occur for that. And I think that that's actually something that's a, quite a reality. I think it goes back to your great points at the beginning of why you probably connected with this story better. It's not that it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, the Messiah is here. Woo! It's like, no, actually, there's that, those that are kind of soured by it and while the others that were celebrating it. And I found that that really makes this a, another great film and wants me to have the next one. I think that they're going to hold off on the next one for a while. I think Dennis Valnude was actually saying he wants Timothy Chalamet to kind of age a little bit <laughs> this kid just i mean he's just too good looking and too young i'm like going oh, we got to do something to kind of age him up a little bit but we'll hopefully we'll be able to get the third film or the mm. third installment soon and i think it's worth mentioning to the character of paul if he's the messiah how do you deal with that which i think like, if we're wanting to look at this through the lens of faith mm. we're wanting to look at it in the context of the bible if you think about jesus when he arrived and when there started to be whispers of you know hey i think this guy could be like, what's he doing? Who is yeah, this person that's starting to, right, like who is this person that's starting to preach and prophesy and heal people and all of these sorts of things? And and what do the rulers and leaders of that day do about that, this kind of quote-unquote uprising that might happen? We see that reflected in June 2 as well, where Paul personally is debating, as you mentioned earlier, he's more of like a reluctant messiah. He's like, I don't want to kind of be worshipped. I don't want to become this centre. Mm. What if there's kind of fundamentalists? What if people get really extreme about the way they, they sort of follow right. me and he needs to know, you know, what to do about that. And the emperor, the rulers of Paul's day are trying to decide what do they do if he rises up? And there's this question, there's a fantastic line that I'm not going to nail, but I remember it in this conversation where they're saying, you know, if we destroy Paul, if we get rid of him, what's that going to do to the people? Like, can we kind of kill this off? And in response to that idea, one of the characters says, you know, in in rough terms, that you don't understand faith. Like, you don't understand faith if you Mm -hmm. think that killing him or getting rid of him is going to end this. Like, that only emboldens people when they follow somebody if their great messiah kind of dies or if there's some kind of attack and 
it was just a I, – I just love the dialogue that they were doing oh. in this movie around that. So there's certainly going to be a lot to chew over after watching June 2. It is. I mean, I think it's one of those films you're probably going to need to see more than once, and I think it's definitely worthwhile. This goes the top of my watch list, not only for this year, but also really for the past almost couple of years. I mean, it is just a great film, um, worthwhile seeing, even if you're not – like this goes back to your, your point, Laura, even if you're not a sci-fi fan – um, even if you haven't even seen the first one yet, this one is worth getting out to mm. see. And so I would highly recommend it. But then on top of it, don't let the opportunities go by where you aren't talking about this movie because there are mm. just so many elements that you'll be able to talk about well after the film is over. Um, that'll get you kind of wondering and pondering even more about your own personal life and even your own personal faith. Mm. So I think it's definitely worth it. So I'm assuming this makes it your watch list. Oh, too, it, it makes the, it makes the watch list. Absolutely. And I was just thinking in the way that, you know, you've loved this movie so much. I really appreciated a lot about it. I think it's kind of met a need that other movies just haven't been for a while, particularly, oh, you know, the yes. last movie we spoke about Madam Webb, like oh. you go from Madam Webb oh. to June 2. It's like, Oh, it's like you literally feel like you found some water in the desert. It right? totally. So I think it's been really refreshing. But Russ, I mean, great chatting with you about June 2. Yes, it's on both of our watch lists. As we uh, wrap it up for today, just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the watch list wherever you're listening. You can find this podcast across all of the different platforms and you can follow us on the Hope 1032 YouTube channel as well where there's video versions of many of these podcasts. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. I always love it. And remember, he who controls the spice controls the universe. 